All right, welcome back. We're glad that our listeners are back with us. Hopefully the pandemic is subsiding wherever you are at and you are staying safe. Uh, I'm Joseph with Heart and Mind Premarital, and this is my beautiful wife. Hey, everyone. And we are doing another True Love Stories here, and we got some beautiful friends with us, uh, Chadra and Ronnie. And go ahead and introduce yourself, Uh, whoever uh, wants to go first. Where do you work? Who are you? And... uh, We'll go from there. Well, my name is Ronnie. Um, I currently work in Colorado Springs in higher education at the Air Force Academy. And this is my beautiful wife, Chadra. And we met here in Scottsdale. Chadra, introduce yourself. I'm Chadra. (laughs) And I am currently working for um, an education company here in Scottsdale. And I just got into grad school to go be a counselor. So, yay. Yay. (laughs) Now, uh, I got to uh, know Chadra through our... uh, youth ministry here and she's been a great friend of uh, me and Lisa and Ronnie came into our lives and he's become a really great friend too couldn't have been happier with her choice but uh, instead of me telling the story you tell our listeners how did you guys meet tell us your love story well I guess I'll start off Um, our love story was really really fascinating I think that you know I was actually working in professional baseball and so Phoenix is a very big hub for this um, and I was coming out of a relationship. So I was living between New York and here. And when uh, my job took me to run the Arizona Fall League, which is based here in Scottsdale, um, I kind of went through this kind of metamorphosis, if you will. Um, I had stepped away from the church in my previous relationship and just being a college athlete and then working in sports a lot of long days. So I really wasn't putting God first. And I said, you know, for me to have the best relationship possible, I, I was praying that I could find my next wife in the church. And I got my first master's degree at Arizona State. So I was very familiar with the Scottsdale area. And when I got here, I Googled multicultural churches in Scottsdale and <laughs> New Life Community Church uh, popped up. It's about literally a mile and a half from Scottsdale Stadium. And I decided to show up. And the second time I came to church, I was sitting in the back. I rolled in late. And Chadra came back behind me and being the chatty person that she is, she goes, are you new? Do you want to come sit with us? And like I said, it's a country song. I came to church and she said hi. And I guess here we are. (laughs) I would make a great country song. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm from Missouri originally, and I moved to Scottsdale in 2013. And I found uh, New Life Community Church because I lived about a mile down the street and I was driving by one day and I saw the sign and I was like, oh, wow, I just started a new life. This seems right. So I came to church and then I just fell in love from day one and kind of created my family at New Life. And um, I had many single years at New Life, but I had actually (laughs) just also gotten out of a relationship. And in that relationship, I had been settling because... I was scared of being alone. And so I was in a relationship that I knew I probably shouldn't be in because he didn't have an intimate relationship with God. He would come to church because I wanted him to, but he didn't lead in any way, shape, or form. Um, He kind of just followed whatever I told him to do in that regard. And I found myself, um, you know, just doing things in a relationship I wouldn't normally do. Uh, so we ended our relationship, and then a few months later, 
this really handsome guy was sitting at the back of our church and I walked in and I, I saw him and I was being nice because that's what you're supposed to do. And no, I was it, like, it's true. I know you <laughs> listeners, he is a very pretty man. He is. I'm the black Rico Suave. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows he's pretty. So, um, I was like, hi, do you want to come sit with me and my friends? And the entire time in my head, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> So um, I tried to like introduce him to some other new girls that had come that week. And I was like, no, just see how he interacts with people. Like, be chill, be chill. Um, but then we started dating pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, Chatter is beautiful. Um, she's a lot prettier than me. Oh, so I just want to let people know that, um, you know, it's just her smile. And actually, if people don't know, I mean, she actually had braces when we first met. And adult braces, so adult cute. Adult braces. But I saw through... <laughs> You know, the metal wiring. And I said, you know what? There's some pretty blue eyes there. And, you know, it looks like she's she's someone who's coming into her beauty even more later in life. And I think there's something special about that. I think that's supposed to be a compliment. It is a compliment. It is a compliment. I liked it. I I think it's a great compliment. I mean, I know some of our female listeners might be like, what did he just say? I know every every guy's like smooth and every girl's like... Huh. Why did you just say I was ugly until I was twenty six? Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you. <laughs> oh. she, there's, there's, you know, I call it that that she has that big wife and big mom energy. Um, you know, seeing her and seeing her around kids, and you know how mm-hmm. much she devoted mm-hmm. her time to youth group and just to supporting other people and and in life, especially in marriage, you want to give her, not a taker. And she was definitely a giver, so I got that energy really, really quickly. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Nice. Yeah. So, who approached who? Who asked yeah. out who? Kind of curious uh, about that. Was well, it mutual? Did you just fell yourself into it? Or I, was it like, hey, coffee, you know? <laughs> tell the yeah, game, should, yeah, should we tell yeah. the game night story? I, we got to tell the game night story. I, w- I definitely <clears throat> made the first move, I guess. But I was still trying to approach it as, like, friendship. So he came in, uh, obviously, on a Sunday. And then the following Friday, we were having, like, a young person, I don't know, young life group, whatever, uh, game night at um, some friend's house, and I invited him, but I also invited two other girls. Like, I, I, I was trying to be friends with Ron. So I invited him to this game night, and he came, and we played Mafia and just hung out <laughs> with this big group of um, people from the church. And then afterwards, we ended up sitting at this table outside of church until, like, 3 o'clock in the morning talking mm. about everything. So after that, I think it was kind of – it was mutual. It was very, very mutual. And it's, what's interesting about that whole – Situation. There was a choice. Actually, one of my buddies was coming in town uh, that was in baseball as well. And, of course, if you're in Scottsdale, a lot of people like to go out. They want to go right. to Old Town and Especially kind of party. Town, yep. And working in that type of industry, there's just what a lot of people do. It's flashy. It's fun. Um, but there's a lot of temptation. And I remember actually having a conversation with her. I feel like I'm at a crossroads because a lot of people – Especially being in your your mid to late 20s, you're single all of a sudden, you kind of have a choice, right? Do I want to kind of fall into the temptations of the world and maybe be stuck in this kind of circle of of not growing, but getting, you know, a lot of the, let me think what the word is, you're being, you're not being fulfilled, but like, you're just placing your faith and placing all of the things that you want to do into validation from people who really don't matter. And that's what like going out and how I, how I viewed it. And so Mm -hmm. I said, you know, let's, let's try something different, right? You know, my previous relationship, this person, you know, didn't have a relationship with God was very critical of those who, you know, 
were Christian because very she felt like, well, Christians are judge, judgmental, mm-hmm. this or that. And I kind of stayed away, but I grew up in the church. And now as I had this opportunity to choose something different, I was like, game night, you know, with new church <laughs> friends or In our Maya, late 20s on a Friday. Or, you know, Club Maya, <laughs> Bottle Blonde, The District, mm-hmm. you know, with a bunch of random girls and, and people I don't know. I think it's time for me to take a better choice. I think God led me uh, to game night, and that's kind of how it, it, yeah. what started it, which, you know, it was new to me. It was new to me. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I, I really, really liked Chadra at that point, and we're both mm-hmm. we're both talkers, right? You can tell we're long winded, <laughs> and <laughs> it's always amazing to me how like little decisions matter, and they can mm-hmm. really change mm-hmm. the course of your life, yeah. good and bad. You know, it's just, and it seems like just that small decision of I'll go to game night set mm-hmm. you on this really cool course here. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it got rough for a long time because we both were out of very serious relationships, and we didn't give ourselves time to heal really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, when we met, it just felt right in a lot of ways. But he fought it a lot more than I did. And I did. so it I caused did. a lot of um, chaos in the beginning of our dating life. Like, I tried to tell our friends that look to us because we have a really good relationship now. Um, and I think our marriage is solid and amazing. And I've had friends be like, oh, wow, you know, that's I want that. And I'm like... Don't date like we dated. <laughs> Just don't, you know, by the grace of God, we ended up together. So mm-hmm. so you were saying, that's that's interesting that you were saying that. Mm-hmm. You were saying that um, that you knew that, okay, I think we do belong together, but we're both healing. If you don't mind me asking, what, what was these scars? What were you healing from? What was hurting for you, if you don't mind sharing just even a portion of that? Well, I'll, I'll start off. I, I got out of a four-and-a-half-year relationship where... It was very, very there's a lot of manipulation, a lot of jealousy. And I think, you know, personally from my end, you know, the person who's my ex, you learn a lot looking back, right? Um, I probably didn't handle things the right way in terms of setting proper boundaries. Um, working in sports and having I was when we started dating, I was an athlete and I started working in sports. I was bouncing around from place to place. Um, you know, I think that it was very hard to do long distance. Mm-hmm. Um and I was always constantly trying to find ways to appease her by trying to work in one place and in really knowing that's not a reality. And then I moved somewhere else and it was back and forth. Um, I tried to go to school to get, you know, a degree as close as possible to her when I could try to get my first master's. But that didn't really work out. And, you know, the jealousy and manipulation because there's long distance, like, there's a lot of second guessing. Who are you out with? Who is this? Who is that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not the type of person to go out and cheat or do any of those types of things. That's just not my personality. But I constantly found myself losing myself to adapt to someone else who wasn't going to adapt to me. The whole relationship. And it's okay because this person had a career. Um, they were getting a doctorate um, in clinical psychology. So they were getting their license in the state of California. Oh. She, like She wanted me to adapt to her. But you know, a lot of people who saw us saw like, yeah, they might look cute together, but they're definitely not equally yoked. And mm. it was very, very forced on her because she wanted to be with me so bad that I kept on trying to really release my dreams and aspirations to do what she wanted me to do, which really kind of drew us apart. Mm. Um, it almost sounds like you were losing yourself. But at the same time, mm-hmm. even though you were bending over backwards, your character kept getting called into question. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was it was tough. And like I said, I've learned a lot. I think 
in that previous relationship from a boundary standpoint, I've always had a lot of female friends and, and I think when you're doing long distance, if you don't know how to properly handle that, it can bring a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. um, and insecurity in a relationship. Especially in a long distance relationship. And so I think that I learned how to have better boundaries. And when Chatter and I started dating, <laughs> I really struggled with those boundaries. Coming <laughs> out of a relationship, <laughs> I had a lot of close friends who told me, like, you need to go find you. You need to go find yourself. And what's interesting is some of those friends are in Christ. Some of those friends are not. I need to find myself in Christ. But a lot of people felt like I need to find myself and be single. Mm. Um, which, you know, for me, if that was what, what God's plan was going to be for me, I would have been single. Um, but also, like, I had done a lot of prayer and introspection and talking with God and saying, I want someone who's in the church. And God presented me with that person. And the crazy part is the irony, if you will, is like, I wasn't prepared to be in a relationship, but God placed the right person for me. And I know Pastor Luis, the craziest part of this whole thing, he was doing his sermons on relationships, mm-hmm. talking about marriage is not for selfish people. Then he also talked about, you know, you'd rather be alone and single than being with someone that and be miserable, right? right? Mm-hmm. And he talked a lot about those things. So I was going back and forth and trying to figure out what stage am I at? And I brought that into our relationship and there's a lot of push and pull. Like, should we be together? Should we not be together? I've been with someone for four years. Maybe I need to go find myself. I need to grow. I need to plant. And like that really caused a lot of stuff. And also some of my other friends that were there were very protective of me. And that kind of built a wedge in our relationship um, because they were like, why are you trying to jump into a relationship right now with someone you barely know? And, you know, for me, it felt right. But a lot of people didn't understand it. And that really put a wedge in our relationship. Well, I think something that you said right there is that we tried to jump immediately into a relationship instead of starting with friendship. Um, yeah, but for me, I I was um, I had a college boyfriend who cheated on me several times, and so after that, I took several years of being single. Um, I took time to get really, you know, work on my relationship with the Lord and figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I moved from Missouri to Arizona, I had a whole new friend group and a life. And I was really, um, I felt, I felt like I was secure in who I was, um, when I met my ex. And then as soon as we started dating, I started, um, losing myself. I started doing things that I wouldn't normally do, like just little things, even like, um, I'm not a big drinker and he would, every time we went out to eat, he would drink, you know? And so then I would have a drink. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it was not a lot, but even just drinking one drink a few times a week was a lot for me. I'd never done that before. And I was doing that. And then I was kind of blowing off my friends to hang out with him. And I, looking back on it, my friends are like, you completely changed who you were. Like I tiptoed around that person. I was never completely myself. I felt like I was trying to put on a different face for him, for his approval. And then um, it ended up that he had, again, was not a a spiritual leader in any way, shape, or form. Um, So there was that that was missing too. And then I I found out that he had been talking to other people the entire relationship. And Mm -hmm. so um, luckily it ended. I'm so thankful that God got me out of that situation. I remember right before we broke up, I was having a conversation with the Lord and I was like, if this is not who I'm supposed to be with, if this is not who I'm supposed to be with, then like you need to smack me in the face because <laughs> I'm being real dumb right now. And he did. It was like not even a month later, I think, whenever that happened, I found out everything. And 
So I was healing from that. I was feeling very um, numb, honestly, uh, instead of really running to God and like finding solace in him. I was kind of doing that, but I was just kind of sitting in my self-pity for a while too. Um, and then I was finally getting it back together um, whenever I met Ronnie. And so then I think because we both had been used to being in long-term serious relationships, we just tried to immediately get into a relationship instead of like figuring out who is this person? Do I, do I like this person even like we, instead of dating, we were just spending all of our time together. We were doing, I mean, just, it was intense really quickly because we knew that he was only going to be here for a few months. And I think that also added some pressure to feel like we got to figure this out right now. And then, you know, there were some boundary things and yeah, there's, it was hard at the beginning. It was really hard at the beginning, but we made it through. <laughs> it sounds, what's interesting is like I'm hearing almost very similar stories of just losing yourself mm-hmm. and trying to change and not mm-hmm. wanting that. And you both seem to come from that. So when you were together, even though it was rocky and stuff, I think it almost sounds like you guys were also giving each other permission to be yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would say at the beginning of our relationship, which we is, had... Which could also be rough because oh, you're not putting your best foot it forward was either. radical honesty, I would radical say. <laughs> I think anything that we saw in the other person that we didn't like, we would just say, I don't like that. Like, not even having really grace. Um, it would just be like, I don't like that you do that. Well, I don't really like that you do this. And I don't like that you said that. It was because we had both settled in our last relationship. And I think we were both looking at this like we're not settling and so kind of figured out like who you what you wanted yeah and and who you needed and all of that also the (laughs) toughest i think the toughest part is when you come fresh out of like long long relationships you are constantly comparing your your person to the the previous relationship and that happened a lot i was like well my ex used to do this and i am not you know, I with had that. to be like, I am not her several mm-hmm. times. It's just several like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like I came out of a relation and the biggest thing for, for me, and I'm a very career driven aspiration person. I felt like I settled for a lot of opportunities that came my way because I was trying to appease the person I was dating at the time. Like I didn't take this opportunity so I could be closer to, to my ex-girlfriend when I knew that that was a bad decision for me professionally. Right. And I think it set me back where like, I personally felt, I mean, God's plan is perfect. So like at the time, I'm like, this is setting me back. And so I didn't want to settle, especially working in professional baseball. I mean, it's a very much you're, you're everywhere and you've got to go where the jobs are at. I had opportunities to work for other teams and, you know, other colleges. And I knew that that Scottsdale was going to be only temporary. And, you know, my fear is like, I'm going to end up with somebody that's going to want me to be right here. And it's going to say, this relationship's only going to work if you stay where I'm at. And I had a lot of, you know, fear and resentment from a previous relationship that, you know, with Chadra being so rooted here in Scottsdale, like, oh no, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to move with this. Um, because she is so rude. And I really project that out a lot early on in our relationship. And it was it was difficult. Well, how yeah. did you work through that? Since that seemed to be a, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, to uh, be, a very big challenge. Then. Yeah, to be really honest. So we met in the end of July. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lot of drama. And then we officially started dating in October. And then we had more drama. And then... Ron's contract was up in December and he was looking for a new job and we knew that it was going to take him out of here and he got a job in Nevada that started in February and if I'm completely honest at that point I was like 
this could probably be the end of this relationship. Like, whenever he goes Nevada, ah, this could very well just be it. Like, we might be done at this point because we've just had so much drama leading up to it. And I told him, I was like, yeah, like, I'm willing to date long distance. Like, I honestly think it'd be a good idea right now. <laughs> and, and he really, he really made it work. Because whenever he left, he was the one that was so consistent and communicating with me and making sure that we saw each other often and worked on that friendship because I was pretty much at my breaking point when he left for Nevada. I was, I was okay if it didn't go anywhere and I would have been hurt obviously, but there had just been so much drama that I was, I was really kind of on the edge and Ronnie made it work once he moved for real. Well, I think for me, I, I've kind of grown up like my dad has been in sports and, and he's a, you know, a college football coach. I'm so used to like having kind of this distance type relationships mm-hmm. with a lot of people I'm close with. Like for me, I've never been in a relationship that wasn't long distance in my mm. life. Wow. Yeah. In my life, in any significant relationship mm-hmm. I've had, I could even consider that with my dad. My dad is a college football coach and he recruits, you know, 200 days out of the year. Like I'm used to having those spaces and and being in one place for X amount of time mm-hmm. of the year and then going to another place for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was kind of like a natural inclination. So like, I think that's why I'm an over communicator because I'm so used to just yeah. having to communicate having because to I do don't, yeah. I don't see people all the time. And, you know, I think that's what I brought into this yeah. relationship. And I was like, no, we can make it work. Like mm-hmm. I'm my finest costume like every other week. Yeah. I don't mind like, you know, doing those things because that's what my lifestyle has always been like. Yeah. It's like it, you were used to it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that hard for you to do it just to put it in work yeah but that was a fear too i would say that um long distance saved our relationship Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it forced us (laughs) to be friends it really Mm -hmm. did because we weren't seeing each other we didn't have any of the physical stuff that was like distracting we didn't have like any time where we weren't just talking like we all of we were just communicated all the time and we had to communicate through a lot of really uncomfortable things because it's not easy long Mm -hmm. distance is awful (laughs) in a lot of ways because there are things that are happening on just like daily little things that you like talk to your partner about whenever they're around, but when they're on a different, in a different state in a different time zone, like you just don't talk about the little things sometimes Mm -hmm. and you can kind of feel disconnected that way. Um, But again, like just making sure that, you know, we saw each other very often. And again, Ron is an over communicator and sometimes so like, you know, we just, we talked a lot but it, we really focused on our friendship and what we wanted out of life and where we saw our lives going and, you know, what were we willing to, um, I don't know, do for the other person. And mm-hmm. it helped. Honestly, uh, I didn't like it. We did long distance for like two and a half years and I did not like it. But um, at the beginning, it definitely saved our relationship because we were able to kind of take a step back and really focus on the right things. You had to yeah. get to what was real and you had yeah. to stay there mm-hmm. and you had to talk and you had to put in the effort. Yep. You know, it's always it always seemed it's always interesting to me that any couple that will is willing to put in the work no matter their situation they usually have a high chance of success. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep hearing is that, you know, Ronnie, you were you were saying you're just like I'm willing to come down. I'm willing to, you know, you know, spend the money and take the time, you, you could have easily said, I'm tired, I'm going to stay this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't do that. You know, you really pushed it. And, you know, just recognizing like, okay, we got to leave all these distractions aside and just go to it. That's a really, right. that's awesome. Get that to you really guys know each other. Recognize that right off the are. bat. Yeah. See, so, so you had this time in your dating life, some ups, some downs, some challenges, mm-hmm. long distance. 
at what point did you realize, I think I love this person and I want to marry them? <laughs> Honestly, I think that I... I <laughs> This is the first know. time you said you love me, babe. I told her I loved her when we were breaking up the first time. It's like, I love you, but I need You're some like, space oh. right now. <laughs> I love you, but I need some space. <laughs> I said I loved you, but I lied. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you were about to break, you were breaking up with her? Yeah. That's when you were like. I, I, hit, her, I, I, said, <laughs> I hit her with the Tim Tebow stiff arm and said, I need some space. <laughs> Call it the Heisman pose. And, you know, it was one of those moments. It was right after I had hernia surgery, which is a whole nother, like, debacle. Yeah, it was right after I had hernia surgery. Um, And I was just working for Major League Baseball. It's a very, very stressful place. You have some people speaking into your life. I have some people speaking into my life that probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be speaking into my life at that point. But also, like, the job, trying to figure out how to go to your next job and all this or that. And, of course, some of the other drama. And then getting out of a relationship, I was like, I need to figure things out on my own. I need space. But, you know, that's why I kept on. The funny thing is, I was like, okay, bye. Have fun. Like, figure it out. And then you hit me with the, I love you. Yeah, I, I love you though. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like you're, I you don't want to be with you, but I love you. Like, you know, just... I'm like a boomerang. You throw me away, I come right back. <laughs> just... you know, like, that's just what it is, and that's what happened. Like I literally, yeah. we had a back and forth like this for mm-hmm. the first 90 days of our relationship. <laughs> it was kind of like <laughs> it was that. Kind of yeah. like that, and it was just. And also, I had some friends that were in the area. Like, you go spend time with your friends. They're like, why are you in a relationship? You need to go figure your life out. And so you mm-hmm. listen to them. And then I go talk to her. I'm like, well, this is... And she. And the thing is, she knew when I was talking to some of my friends because I would sound completely different mm-hmm. than it was yeah. when I was by myself. You so were heavily influenced. Yep. And Weak-minded at the point. It's okay because... <laughs> I saw who you were, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't have put up with that I, from anyone else. At that point in my life, I was like, I am too old for you to waste my time. And I have wasted my time on other people that didn't deserve it. And I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm only going to be with the person who need, like deserves to be with me. And mm-hmm. I saw that in you. Um, and I, oh, man. Also, it was hard though. So, so when did so at, so yeah. even though you you saw just mm-hmm. how awesome he was, at what point did you say I think I love this guy? Oh man, I'm willing to go through it. You, when yeah, I, willing to put in uh, the work. There's a big difference between lust and love. Um, I I thought I loved him um, before. I would say. Pretty early on, I knew that there were a lot of things I loved about him and that I saw um, that I wanted in my life long term. But I think whenever I was fully just like, I I love this person, like I am I'm willing to do it is probably after you went to Nevada. I mean, I know that was quite a few months into it. And we were already saying I love you. And I did love you. But like when I knew like I'm going to marry this person, it was probably about... Not quite a year. Was it like yeah. Ryan's wedding? Oh, by Ryan's wedding, I was already writing our vows. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. Um, but no, I, I think it was probably like not that first visit to, that I made to Reno that we it was real bad. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> probably like the, the time we went down to San Francisco or at Lake Tahoe and that trip, we, you know, we took, we like to travel a lot. So, um, he was living in Reno and we, I flew in and we went out to, um, San Francisco and we got to travel together and we'd traveled together a couple times at this point, but I just like, I, I brought it up on the way home. I was like, Hey, we're coming up 
on our year mark in just a few months, like I'm ready to talk about marriage. <laughs> and he was like, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but secretly I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that something you were comfortable with, Ronnie? I think that as a man, I knew that this is someone I wanted to be with, but I think Whenever you come, once again, it's like that residual from the previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Like you're thinking like, do I don't want to rush into anything too fast. But like, honestly, I think I was too afraid of what other people would think if I were doing that mm. compared to like how yes. I actually felt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a person of a rural processor. So I'll talk to 15 different friends and give them the same story. And I'll take everyone's advice and opinions. And I think that... If I've learned anything over the last three or four years, is number one is like I need to trust my own instincts, but also I need to trust God and what like He's putting on my heart mm-hmm. instead of always looking externally for that validation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like that was probably the most important thing. Once I started eliminating that and really just praying over it and and, and seeing what God was putting on my heart, that's when I was like, no, like this is this is where right where I'm supposed to be. God has me with the person I'm supposed to be with. And yes, we do want to get married. And like we want to start moving like mm-hmm. forward in this relationship. And so yeah. but it was hard. It was hard because like I said, you're you're getting feedback from all these people. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, you know, they do have your best interest. And they love you. And heart, they they want to see you. the best for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately you have to make the, your own decisions. And I think that's one of the reasons why I stayed in my previous relationship so long is like, you know. On paper, you don't want to make people mad. You're like, right. that relationship could have been done two years earlier than it was, mm-hmm. three years earlier. Yeah, I and struggle with people pleasing. Sometimes. I, I really struggle mm-hmm. with you know people pleasing, placating, and it was something where like, no, like this is the decision I'm going to make, and I'm going to own mm-hmm. these decisions. And you know, as I had, I guess it's just like a transformation from your mid twenties to your late twenties mm-hmm. to thirty. And you know, I, I finally kind of found my voice. It was a lot more confident mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I got to put the person that I wanted to be with, and I was, and I made that yeah. decision. <laughs> so once you, once you felt that peace from God, there, mm-hmm. tell us about the proposal oh, and your was, engagement. It was weak. Yeah. <laughs> it was weak. Uh-huh. So I was saving up. You know, I'm trying to save as much money as possible, mm-hmm. and. Anyway, I was saving as much money as possible, so I was paying it off. So you go to, so I didn't want to open up a credit card like people do over at K Jeweler. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get on this payment plan, but I had to pay it off in like six months, or else they make you open a credit card. So I paid it off, but I was so excited to get the ring that like he didn't plan anything. Didn't plan I, it was anything. just like he was like, but oh my I gosh, I have the ring here. We went to San Diego um, <laughs> okay. in April. Let, no, like no, a I'm month gonna stop before. you. Let me start this. Okay, go ahead. so we finally. Start talking about marriage um, after right around our one year anniversary. We're at the bowl game in San Francisco. We went ring shopping. No, honey. Let me just okay. shh. Sh- sh- um, so <laughs> we we finally started talking about um, combining <laughs> and becoming a, a family and marriage and all this stuff. And like a week later, Ron calls me and he's like, we should go on vacation to San Diego and let's go to Coronado and all of your favorite places next April. <laughs> next <laughs> April. Uh-huh. Like, sure. That's not a proposal at all. And so I fully thought that we were getting engaged on this weekend. Seeing this janky we, Airbnb. We, yeah, we went to like, it. It was we like were, a garage. Of it was. It was like the cheapest thing that we could yeah, find. Yeah, because we were trying to save money. And then, but like the first night, we get dressed up and we go to all of my favorite places in Coronado and then nothing happens. She was and like, yeah, I was like, 
Nails okay. done, dress on. <laughs> and so then the next day we were having lunch and I was like, I really thought you were going to propose to me. And he just looks at me and says, I know. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Han Solo. Yes. I, I, know. I know. And so then I was like, okay, well, we have the next few weekends. Like we were doing a lot of traveling. Like I was going to see him for a work thing. And he had a, a something a to do with uh, a dinner that we had yeah. to go to. And then he was going to come see me in Scottsdale. And I was like, oh. When he comes to see me in Scottsdale, what he's going to do is we go for long walks. We've always done it from the very beginning of our relationship. We'll go on like five, six mile walks around town. Sometimes they're and explosive. Just, sometimes they're explosive, but some, <laughs> we just talk about all the things we always have from the very beginning. It's like our thing. We go on walks. And I was like, oh, Ron's going to come in. We're going to go on a long walk and he's going to propose to me. So I show up to Colorado for this dinner and I flew in at like one o'clock in the morning, driving back in from the um, airport takes an hour. I like take a shower. It's like three o'clock in the morning and I haven't washed my hair in three days and I'm looking a mess and I um, get into bed and Ron's not sleeping, which he usually well, just is sleeper, like y'all. instant sleeping. Yeah, and powers. so I was like, okay. And so then I kind of like my, I'm like shifting around trying to get comfortable and he's still not asleep. And I was like, what is wrong with you? And he kind of just like lifts up and I was like, what? And so I go to lift up to be like, are you okay? And then, he put the ring under my pillow. <laughs> and so, like a true OG. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And he, first thing he says, not, do you want to marry me? I love you. Or no, he says, do you want to see the ring? And I was like, no, I want you to get down on your knee and propose to me. And then the next day we're calling our families, you know, and I'm like, do you realize that you have to tell my father that we were going to be sleeping in the same bed together and that you put the <laughs> ring under my pillow? Like, mm, sir. And so we called his parents and his dad was literally like, son, you couldn't have taken her anywhere? Like, anywhere? <laughs> I was cost effective and efficient. <laughs> cost effective. And executed to perfection. Yeah, I was like, oh, he just was really excited to give me this ring. He didn't think past the, like, I have the ring in my hand. the most expensive thing I had bought. <laughs> So you finally, so she finally uh, got the ring. She still say yes. So I did. That, yeah, that was lucky for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was the Look most. Ex- all. It was the most expensive thing I had ever bought. Um, <laughs> so I was just like hot potato. You know, like I get this thing. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to lose it. You know, Take this I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta exactly. get it in her hands. <laughs> make sure that I'm not responsible for this. <laughs> like knowing me, you know, I leave my wallet. You go out uh-huh. to eat, leave your wallet or your <laughs> yeah. card and like the little holder thing and so i was like you know okay, what baby. i'm gonna make sure I don't, she gets it and she has it forever she still has it yeah i, I do still have it i wear yeah. a rubber ring because <laughs> i don't want to lose my stuff oh I, i'm with you here i mean we got at least a really fancy ring and mine is just a 35 piece of silver mm-hmm. oh that lady was so upset mm-hmm. spent about an hour she was just like we're looking all kinds of expensive rings and then <laughs> yeah i'm in the same boat that's basically what i was saying it was she was just going, she goes, what about this one? And I'm just like, I don't want to wear something that's 500. I don't want to wear something that's yeah. 1500. And then I go, what do you got in silver? And she look on her face and she walks over and she goes, 35 bucks. I was all sold. Mm-hmm. There you go. That. She, I, I bet that lady yeah, hates she was not her day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm with you for the same reason. I'm like, oh. Well, hey. and now you've broken it. So. <laughs> yeah. $35. Not upset. Exactly. <laughs> Still fits in my ring. My finger. <laughs> so. You had a very challenging dating relationship but a very honest one and a very yes. loving one you have a in 
proposal that was a kind of proposal, but like you said, it was a hot potato <laughs> proposal. Got the ring. Here you go. Let's do this. Okay. Tell us about your engagement because this is the realm when, you know, just to give a little spoil alert, <laughs> your COVID starting to happen. Yeah. So tell us so, about your engagement into your wedding, if yeah, you will. Yeah, we got engaged May of 2020. No, no 2019. Yeah. Yeah, 2019. 2019. We were supposed to be married May 2020. May 23rd, so, 2020. Yeah, so we had a year to plan. Um, Ron and I are, are about the opposites in just about everything, but um, I think we play well off each other. I'm very simple. I was like, let's just have a small group of people. Let's not do anything crazy. Like if I don't want to spend $30,000 on a wedding and then, you know, not be able to afford a house or like we could have a really nice honeymoon. Like, let's just keep it real simple. And Ronnie wanted to have the biggest party of the century. (laughs) So (laughs) So I got my mom wanted us to throw a banger. Yeah, she, she, I wanted yes. to throw a banger as well. It, she have, yeah. Well, so, she went to my brother's wedding and that was a straight party. Yeah. So, um, his family, his mom and dad are from the South. And so, very proper things need to be done a certain way. Like, you know, the invitations need to be done a certain way. And, you know, we need to invite all these people who I've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. So, um, you know, I, I've never planned a party this big. And I was, stressed out. Um, but we decided on a place pretty quickly. We got a uh, photographer really quickly. Like everything was kind of going really well um, through 2019. And then when COVID started hitting and like fe- things started coming out like February and then everything shut down in March, I was in straight denial. I was like, no, we're not canceling. I've spent the last nine months of my life planning a party that I didn't even want. <laughs> and like way bigger than I anticipated. We're spending so much money on things I wasn't anticipating. And like we're having this party. And then Ron was really the one who had to talk some sense into me and calm me down and be like, all right, I'll take over. And he really got our money back from a lot of different like places that ask, we had asked questions. Yeah. You know, he really COVID. took leadership in that because I was in straight denial. I was so heartbroken. And at at the beginning of COVID, it was so scary. Mm-hmm. And um, another caveat to this is that I knew when we got married, I was moving to Colorado to be with Ron because he was in Colorado um, at that point in time for his job. I was leaving my home. I was leaving all my friends. Oh, right. I'm gonna cry. Um, I was leaving everyone. And I was so like sad about that to begin with. But I was like, okay, these last few months, I'm really going to like just enjoy and, you know, have my, we're going to have our bachelorette party in California. We're going to have all these things with church. Like, you know, we're going to do all these things. And then bam, nothing. And I was too scared to even see my best friends, you know, because everything was starting to get canceled. Everything got canceled. And, it was wedding they, shower, the bachelorette oh, party. Yeah, yeah, everything got canceled, and it was so scary at the at the beginning. You know, we were so scared, and so we ended up canceling. We decided to change the date a little bit because my thirtieth birthday was going to be just two weeks after our original wedding date. So we decided to change it because it was going to end up being very small and like um, just a few people. We were going to have our photographer and videographer, so we could still like show people. And then, if things couldn't be crazy... uh, Yeah, race riots. George Floyd murdered. George Floyd was Mm -hmm. murdered um, the Monday before our wedding. So, no. No, like a week and a half before They started, so the riots, you know, so I think George Floyd was murdered on May 26th, which happens to be... Your birthday. My birthday. And Mm -hmm. then you started having just this trickle-down effect of major rioting and just Mm -hmm. big cities across the country. And, of course... 
where our wedding was going to be that week in Scottsdale. Like they had, right. there's looters that like destroyed Fashion Square, and mm-hmm. like there was a lot of like threats and things going on. And and, and then so they the, had a curfew. They had a curfew. So what yeah. we could even do for a wedding was really, really just kind of you know dumbed down. But huge shout out to NLCC, um, Pastor having Joe, our back. having our back. <laughs> We didn't even think we were going to be live streaming yeah. our wedding, but like they offered up the brand new streaming yeah. equipment. <laughs> what happened like that week like or that something? Week. <laughs> yeah, and we have a phenomenal tech team that yeah. helped us put <laughs> that together. Through. But yeah. we live streamed the wedding, and you know, unfortunately, most of our friends and family. I mean, we had about ten people total. Like my mom didn't come, my, my youngest brother didn't there. come, her family wasn't there. My dad actually surprised me. I didn't know he was going to come. I didn't know my brother was going to come. It was just literally going to be my sister because she was in Colorado. Um, and then my brother Ryan, and that was it. Um, and then of course the NLCC squad here in mm-hmm. Scottsdale, yeah. uh, all of our friends, but just one caveat, you guys are lucky that you didn't, we didn't host a wedding because <laughs> my friends would have came in like some gangbusters and we would have <laughs> shut down. You thought COVID shut down, you know, you know, Scottsdale, you know, no, the Burton Elrod wedding would have shut down the whole city. Just letting you guys know. So when we have our baby shower, yeah. everyone who's listening, you're invited. All right. We'll oh, make sure, we'll okay. make sure our security well, um, team is there. Uh, <laughs> We're going to come in, you know, hot. I'm talking Jersey Shore style, you know, <laughs> beating up the street. Oh, like. that sounds so fun. That so anyway, fun. just on a side like note, fun. it's going to be. Chad is like, no. There will, there will be an open bar. Believe that. At so, our baby shower. shower? But I can't. Yes. That Chad can't even enjoy. It? Yeah. Saturdays are for the me. boys. You're right. It's not. It's, not. <laughs> it's a diaper raffle, except that you <laughs> take shots. Yeah, oh you know, we'll gosh. do it in Diego's backyard. No. Diego knows who that is. Anyway. Oh, okay. Anyway, but that added a whole other layer of just Hurt. emotions because I'm Ron's black and I'm white, and there was just this whole other layer of just I don't know sadness, maybe or. A frustration and anger and you know, and our families have never met each other. Yeah, our fam- Well, our family, my family wasn't there, but like mm-hmm. I remember, like your family came in and we were kind of just sitting around. I remember, like the day before our wedding, we we're sitting around talking about this, and I I struggled because this is my privilege showing, but I was like, I just kind of want to not think about this stuff because it's really sad, and I want to talk about our wedding that's really joyful, but at the same time, I I didn't say anything because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't understand the hurt that you know my soon be husband and his siblings are going through right now. Like it was just, uh, it was a very emotional time. Yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a tough time for just America. You have COVID going mm-hmm. on and you know, that disproportionately affected, you know, minorities, yeah, minorities black and brown people across the country. Then you have the police brutality going on mm-hmm. and right. murder of George Floyd and everything's kind of coming to a head. Well, so sorry, I don't mean to stop you, but I remember right before that, um, Ahmaud Arbery, what was it? Yeah. That? Ahmaud that Arbery had just had, had been shot. Yeah, yeah. Right before that. And I remember being so devastated by that because Ron goes for runs all the time. Like I got my he, head on a swivel though. He's always running. He's been an athlete his whole life. He goes out for runs all the time. He'll be like, okay, love you. See you later. And then 13 miles later, he's home, you know? And so like, <laughs> I, I, it was one of the first times that I really was scared for him. Um, which again, shows my privilege. It's not something that I ever really had to like think about before. Um, but now, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if Ronnie is out in this very conservative place that we live in Colorado and like somebody gets scared or, you know, questions why he's there and what if he gets hurt, you know, and which, 
with all the race riots that were starting too, it was also, it was just so, it was scary at the time. How, how do you guys navigate these things? Because, you know, with what happened with George Floyd and some of these things that happened in uh, the pandemic, it's not like that was a new thing that popped up, like right. mass shootings, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Columbine kind of kicked off that mass shooting thing. Mm-hmm. This has always been around. It just kind of more of came to a head. Right. Yeah. It came more in the forefront of America's uh, eyes for, you know, um, they finally took notice. I'll actually say it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. How do you guys navigate this as a uh, interracial couple of trying to figure out each other's culture? Because you're already in marriage, you're still ha- you're having two cultures collide. Whether you're both black, Anglo, you know, Latino, whatever. But when you're complete opposites like this, and you're coming into a marriage, trying to learn each other's culture, how do you navigate that? How do you educate each other? How do you find a safe place to ask questions without? You know, I mean, like you said, you, mm-hmm. uh, Chadra, you know, bring out your privilege, you know, because I would imagine this is your wedding weekend and mm-hmm. now you're going into your first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. And first year of marriage, even with the most loving couple, is a tough year. It was mm-hmm. for me and Lisa. Mm-hmm. The little, the little we had in terms of cultural differences, you know, came out. How do you how do how do you guys nav- navigate it? How did how did you navigate it this last year? You know, being that is the starting point. I think it's all about you know having an open dialogue. I think that you know so much when it comes to race relations in America or just learning about other cultures is really just being open and honest. Um, I think that a lot of people are always afraid to offend someone, but mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's the things that we don't say because we make a lot of assumptions and we're not communicating. I mean, that's whether it's an interracial relationship or just someone that is from a different race that you've befriended Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's multiple different situations here, right? Um, All of us kind of come with our own unconscious bias, but just really being open about it and being willing to talk about, you know, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what have you heard, right? Um, And, you know, Chadra and I are from two very different places. I've, you know, grown up in predominantly white spaces, right? Um, I've, I've been you know, in areas where I've been the only black person, I've learned how to adapt in that type of setting, right? Where I am the only person of color and almost like a representation of my race uh, in terms of how people view me. And I've been lucky to grow up in, in rather affluent communities. But sometimes when you grow up in spaces like that, I'm hyper aware of my blackness. So like I've learned how to interact in certain areas. Um, but when you're in a, in a relationship and you're physically and legally attaching yourself to someone, um, you know, it's, it's another thing to kind of go through that, you know, transformation, if you will, from being just me as an African American male to now me, I'm Ronnie Burton and this is my wife, Chadra Burton, and we're married and we're together because the world sees you as something mm-hmm. different, um, once you combine, right? And, it's, it's interesting. And she's, she's from rural Missouri. Um, yeah. you know, that is a very historically very racist area. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's just, and there are good people in those areas, but a lot of them haven't been exposed to just different cultures, just like, you know, growing up and I've been blessed to live in multiple places. So I've been exposed to a lot of things, but I have my biases and my, and you know, my own things too, that I have to work with. Um, but it's been interesting, but we just try to have an open dialogue and we try to be an example for other people. Um, because I think a lot of people will make assumptions about both of us mm-hmm. before talking to either of us. And we mm-hmm. just try to have a united front when talking about just anything race related mm-hmm. because it's us together, right? I know that 
you know, when you're black and when we have our kids, even though they'll be biracial, you know, they'll the world black. the world will see them as black. But also they almost will judge them depending on how the mix will actually come out. Yeah. Exactly. And also it's just as as crazy as that is, we are preparing to just continually educating and also exposing our kids and exposing ourselves to different situations, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we can be that example for others. Yeah, I would say that um, the most important thing is that we're very, very communicative and I feel very safe talking to Ronnie about anything. Um, that's the, the joy of being married to your best friend. You know, it's a I feel very safe no matter what topic comes up that even if I feel maybe shame about what I'm going to say or what I'm about to ask, like I know that he's not going to um, judge me or, you know, speak harshly to me or shame me for whatever it is. Um, I will say that I did grow up in a very rural area where the, I grew up with like four, four black people in my whole town um, of 400, which is not a lot, but still, um, yeah, um, I was blessed enough to have a mother who very much, um, celebrated other cultures. Um, and so I, I feel like I was blessed in that way, but I didn't really understand racism until I got to college and I was around people who looked differently than me, who spoke differently than me. Um, I, I feel like, I, when I'm talking to my kids and I'm working with kids and trying to explain racism, it's like, I, I think I struggled more with, um, Middle Eastern people when I was younger, because I was 11 when 9-11 happened. I vividly Mm. remember what happened when 9-11 happened. And I was not around anyone from the Middle East growing up. And so I had no exposure. All I had was what I saw on TV. And I was terrified of Middle Eastern people really until I got to college and I met, I met people from the Middle East and I was like, Oh, you're just like me. Okay. You know, and I was able to release that. And so again, Ron was talking about being exposed to different things. Um, that's a big key of it, but it's very interesting. Um, he's had a whole life of dealing with it and I haven't. So I get mad a lot quicker than Ronnie does. I feel like a lot of time he, he has to talk me off the edge of things that happen. Like if we're around people and and somebody says something stupid or Mm -hmm. insensitive or like uh, it's happened several times and he can tell my whole body language, like I tense up and I'm ready to attack and he has to kind of like put his hand on me and be like, it's fine. It's okay. Smile and get through it. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about it later. You know, um, it's, it's been very interesting because even, even my friends who are Caucasian that I know are not racist, um, at all that they love people of all colors and ethnicities and and things like that. Like it's, I've changed even. And and whenever we're having conversations, I'm like, you don't understand the way that I understand because I'm married to someone who, you know, I have to think about the fact that when we have children, we're going to have to talk to them about how do you interact with cops? Right. How do you, what do you do when you get pulled over? Ron does this thing where he always has his wallet out and he's like, I don't want to ever have to like reach into my pocket to grab my wallet if I ever get pulled over. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I never, I never would have to think about that. You have your hands yeah. where mm-hmm. officer can see them at yeah. all times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, just these little, it's really the little things that I think have really blown me away because the big things have kind of been there, but they're just in the spotlight now. But it's like the little things that happen every day, you know, like with his sister being a professional um, and what she's doing, like being a black woman in, in the 
space that she works in is just so difficult. She's just judged in so many different ways than I have ever even had to think of, like the way that she wears her hair or the things that she, you know, the clothes that she wears, you know, to make sure that she's professional all the time, that she can't have like an off day, you know, like, you know, I just, it's, it's been a lot, but, um, I think again, sorry, go back to the original question was just communicating and making sure that we're both like open and honest about what we're seeing and what we're, we're dealing with. Cause sorry, one more thing that I think has been probably a bigger struggle for me is that while we have different races, we grew up in completely different economic statuses. Mm. And a lot of times I've struggled because I grew up so poor and Ron grew up in a more affluent family that our life experiences were just so different. The things that he was exposed to, he was allowed to do. I'd never had those chances. And I, I feel like I had a lot of almost resentment in a lot of ways because I was just like, you don't even know what it's like to be poor. You don't know what it's like to, and I kind of got that mentality of me versus him and like our pity party stories Uh where I had to kind of be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it's not, me against him. It's us against the problem. And it's okay that he doesn't understand this economic difference. But, you know, like, I think that's probably for me anyway, been harder than the racial differences. I don't know. It might be different. I think that we have to, we have a balance, right? You Mm -hmm. know, and like I said, being, growing up in predominantly white affluent communities, I'm very hyper aware of my blackness, but also like everyone has their, their privileges and oppressions, right? I was blessed to to grow up in a very privileged community. I went to, you know, a top 100 high school that was, you know, private, like on the grounds of the Air Force Academy. I went to elite private schools for college. I got to play a, a sport. Um, I was around people who had means, but I were very, very educated. And, you know, knowledge is truly power. Um, but also because of that, I was also exposed to different sides of racism, more mm-hmm. institutionalized racism, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, I work in a very, very white collar space as um, a major gift fundraiser at one of the world's greatest institutions. And, you know, I've always been in this kind of like yuppie, crunchy, um, affluent areas where I always stick out. Right. Um, so I learned how to navigate. But similar to the book Hillbilly Elegy, Chadra, <laughs> you know, has has kind of gone through the struggles and she's had to overcome a lot to, to get her first bachelor's and master's degree at a private school and then also get out here to Phoenix and then, you know, adapt to this married life. Like she has a different perspective mm-hmm. on things because of what she's gone through. And, and like we've kind of talked about, it really balances yeah. us out. But like, I think I'm really, really excited for our children because we have such a perspective to give. Right. Um, really well-rounded. It's very well-rounded. almost going to get the best of all worlds. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to understand yeah. what this world is really all, all about with race, but also understand the differences between the two different social economic, mm-hmm. well, it, you know, and what, it, what I'm hearing from you guys is that it sounds like you guys navigated this both from a social economic and a racial by providing a safe space to discuss and mm-hmm. dialogue yeah. and, but also being aware of, I may never know what you went through, right. but I'm mm-hmm. going to try to understand it. Right. And you can try to educate each other. Yeah. With yeah. what you went through. Yeah. Coming both kind of almost humbly through it is mm-hmm. what seems to help you. I think like the term you just used, the united front. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as much as, you know, you know, Lisa and I technically are an interracial couple, we're not on the level of other people. My kids only on paper is where people get surprised. 
they look like Latino and you can easily get in a judgment mm-hmm. uh, right there, right off the bat. So it is, as much as I look at that, I don't think our kids mm-hmm. are going to probably have the same challenges as others, you know, and, and that's just a world I'm still educating myself on mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to learn and understand. Um, I academically know. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I don't think I'll ever really get it. Yeah. I think I think for us actually that we we have had different upbringings as far as economic status. I think that you you know grew up more poor than I even did, mm-hmm. um, and so we've had to kind of push and pull with each other on that and kind of educate each other on that. And you know, you've given me some good things. I've given him some good things, and we've been able to educate each other just like right. you guys have been able to educate mm-hmm. on race and economic status and stuff. So. I think that's yeah. really good. Yeah. What are the challenges that you guys do still see going forward? Because I know you guys want to have kids. You know, your first through your first year of marriage, what what are some of these challenges that you you think that you're going to have? I never thought I'd fight with someone so much over cleaning the house. I just <laughs> it help. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. He's come a long way. Um, that's kind of been one of the things that um, we've. We're, we've grown a lot, um, because I had to, I had to grow up very fast and I became an adult at a very young age and I had to figure things out on my own at a very young age. And I feel like when I met Ron, he was just going through those things that I had learned like a decade earlier. Um, and so, you know, I had to learn to be kind about that and like patient and understanding. I think this past year in marriage, I thought that we were really communicative, but we still need to work on our communication. And then also like, just like figuring out our roles, I guess still, because we both work full time, you know, and Ron has some side projects cause he's very ambitious and can't say no to anything. Um, but you know, I, I I'm going to be going back to school too. And, you know, just little things like keeping the place clean and not feeling like, it's all on me all the time, especially if you have a baby. I mean, that is a fear I have, you know, that I'll have to kind of be a full-time caretaker and housekeeper and work full-time and be in school. Like, I just, you know, I'm I'm a little fearful of that next step. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait to have children with Ron. But, you know, I if I'm being really honest, I, I struggle with that, which I think I'm not going to say all, but most wives feel at some point in time. And it's not that he's, he doesn't help, but it's just, we've talked about this a lot. Don't ask me what needs to be done around the house. Like if you see that the laundry is piled up, just do the laundry, you know, right. or if you see there are dishes, just do the dishes. Cause when you ask me, I'm still in charge of those things getting done because I'm having to delegate that task to you when we're partners and we're both responsible for that messes that we are creating in a house you know, like I am not your mom and I'm not your housekeeper. <laughs> so and, uh, it doesn't get any better with children. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh gosh, like, which I know part of it is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying these things, but I've fallen, I've become my own mother in a way where he'll do something. I'm like, not like that. And so then I'll come in behind and do it, which I've been trying to work on, like just letting oh. it go. I'm like, nope, it's yeah. okay. It's yeah. okay. All, you, all you'll do is condition us men not to. Not to do it. Not to do it or to do it wrong. So you'll do it. I think the biggest thing that I'm learning is, you know, there are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trade-offs. 
life is about trade-offs. You can't do everything because if you do something that takes away from something else, right? Um, and also just realizing that what really matters to her are like the very, and just really, it goes back to premarital counseling, but just really understanding like what her love language is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like an oh, act yeah. of service. Like if I were to do something for her, like do a task, you know, that type of thing. Like if I were to all of a sudden do all the laundry one day before she got, got home. Oh, like it's the she, best thing ever. <laughs> she, that, that really means a lot to her because it shows an act of service. Like I'm going mm-hmm. out and I'm doing something for her. Um, and so really understanding those little idiosyncrasies and mm-hmm. how I can best, you know, serve her as a wife, because, you know, for me, when you go from being single for a long time and, you know, I've, like I have a great mom and a great family where a lot of stuff like she's my, my mom loved to do a lot of things for us, like laundry, cooking, cleaning. Like she was a very hands on person. And, you know, I don't want her to feel like she has to be my mom, but realizing that, like, I can take part in these things to myself. And also mm-hmm. it is a team thing. Like running a house is a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. And it's not difficult in theory, it's just in practice. Yeah. Because yeah, when you're out of work, when you have a job, you have all these things, it's really easy to just let stuff pile up. And, you know, my wife being the type of person that she is, she's going to go and take that upon herself and, and do more. She wants things clean. She wants this. Mm-hmm. She'll even substitute sleep to make sure the house looks good. And, you know, for me, where can I pitch in? Like, I travel a lot for my job. I do a lot of things, but like, how can I put myself in the best position to help her out at home? And I have to get better at that. I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. she'll say, you always say that. Just got to get better. <laughs> Just got to get better. But yeah. it's the truth because, you know, things don't get, you know, easier. They're going to get busier, especially when you mm-hmm. bring another human being there and being responsible for another human being mm-hmm. brings a level of responsibility and organization that I'm still trying to grow up and yeah. figure out on. Yeah. I need to work on um, patience. And being kind and, and learning how to communicate things. And we've had this conversation several times where I'm like, okay, I've asked this of you several times, but it's not, I feel like I'm not getting through. So how, help me learn how to communicate with you. What is going to be best for you? You know, because a lot of times I, I think it was, I don't remember if it's Pastor Joe or Pastor Luis, but um, talking about how um, if you compliment men, they're more likely to do things than if you like criticize them instead of being like, can you just please help me around the house? It'd be like, oh, wow, you cleaned up before I got home. Thank you so much. That was awesome. You know, I'm like, yeah, you got, we got to be the heroes. <laughs> exactly. You make us the hero, we'll continue to be the hero. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, I'm trying to train my brain to do that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's very interesting just how God created us to be in like our different struggles because I can definitely tell that I still struggle with like power power struggles um and it's not usually at home it's like when we're out in public and we're like hanging out with our friends I've had several conversations with my friends where I'm like why can I not just be nice to my husband when I'm when we're alone I feel like I'm all lovey-dovey and like oh my gosh I love you so much you're my favorite person and then we're around our friends and I'm like cracking jokes and like little digs at them, you know what I mean? Which is not nice. I mean, like it's usually in good fun, but I'm just like, I'll leave and I'll be like, why can't I just be nice? And it's that, that sin nature struggle that I have where I'm just like, I want, I don't know if it's, it's not even like emasculating, but it's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I do it even, but it's just something that I'm working on. Um, that I know that especially if we, you know, we have kids like, and you're not, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just, I'm worried about myself too, you know? Well, I think the biggest thing that I struggle with, and this will always be a struggle, is like efficiency versus like what chapter tries to do. I'm just going to say it like that. For example, (laughs) she wants to go home and cook a meal. She'll talk about, I'm so tired. I'm so this or that. But then she'll spend 45 minutes trying to like cook a meal when we could do something that's a lot more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not as healthy, but like you're saving yourself like 45 minutes to an hour of this back and forth bickering of like, I'm so tired, I'm this or that. And like, we have just different expectations on that. You know, I've always, and and you guys have, mm-hmm. have kids, you're a coach and you've got a bunch of stuff to do. You, you sometimes have to sacrifice the home cooked meal for what's most like efficient right. or sometimes you have to sacrifice. It's mozzarella I, sticks. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And there's a <laughs> lot of situations like that. It's like, okay, am I going to sit here and do the laundry today or are we not? Am I going to, and we have a lot of those kind of like, if, like I said, it's trade-offs. What's what's going to make us most efficient? Like, do I go work out today or do I cook food? Do I work from home if I have the opportunity or do I do it's And we're working on that balance and what works mm-hmm. best for us because mm-hmm. our schedules are crazy. And that's when I kind of get the most frustrated. I'm like, why are you cooking when we could just go pick up food and be done? And it <laughs> sets off your you whole life. <laughs> you're thinking, yeah. you're thinking finances. Mm-hmm. He's thinking efficiency, yeah. which is. Uh, the struggle between men and women, it just, it just is. (laughs) You know, you know, you know what I think is always, it's good. I'm glad you guys are saying this because, you know, you guys are very, you could tell you're in love for those of you guys who are, you know, listening, you can't see what we're seeing, you know, pretty much, I don't know, 85% of this uh, podcast, they weren't even looking at me and Lisa. They're looking at each other while they're talking. Yeah. You know, they're just staring at each other. They're all lovey-dovey. I mean, it's it, it, it's 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 beautiful Enduring. and sickening at the same time, you know. Two beautiful uh, people, Joe. Yeah, two oh, beautiful gosh. people just staring at each other <laughs> through the mic, you know. So, I mean, they're just – you could tell that they're just so in love here. But at the same time, you're communicating – you have to still get to know each other. You're still mm-hmm, having right. to learn from each other, whether yeah. it's a, a, a racial issue, social economic issue, a male versus female, mm-hmm, uh, right. just mindset, oh personality, <laughs> how you see the world. You know, this is what it, you know, makes marriage fun if you have the right perspective. And I think mm-hmm. you guys have it is like, we still got to learn from each other. We mm-hmm. still got challenges. We still got stuff in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would just encourage you just keep going, keep, keep yeah. learning from each other, keep turning towards each other. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of you, you know, yeah. just how far you guys have come. And mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping people who are listening to this uh, podcast is, uh, uh, I hope you're able to identify and yeah. you're able to, uh, uh, relate and maybe, maybe even get that sense of, oh, good, we're not the only ones going through it. There's, right. there's other people going through this exact same thing. Yeah, he's my best friend for sure. I was having a um, conversation with a single friend the other day and she said, Did you finally feel secure when you married Ron? And I said, Absolutely. Yes. Like that security that women just really That's- long for. That is the women's greatest yeah, need. Our our greatest security. need. I was like, I felt that immediately. You know, when Ronnie, I mean, before we even got married, but like in our marriage, I just am completely secure. But I'm like, I could have easily not been if I had not married Ron. If I had married someone else, it wouldn't be like this. Mm-hmm. I you have to marry the right person. It's not just marriage. Marriage is not the the goal per se. It's marrying the right person. 
because if we, if you settle and you you marry somebody that you're not supposed to be with, then it's it does not add to your life. Right. <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, I can't imagine being married to somebody else. And even though, you know, we talk about our struggles and the things that we're working through and stuff, like at, at the end of the day, I would struggle with Ronnie all day, every day, as long as it gets to be with him. Yeah. She's already tearing up. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's uh, the beauty of, of marriage is, you know, having that lifelong companion. And I'm just all about companionship. That's that's yeah. my big thing and really trying to build them. Um, I love like building a life that and doing that with Chadra is, is, you know, the greatest blessing that God's put in my life so far. But, you know, it's interesting as we're talking about just marriage and you know, being a man and understanding how to be there to serve your wife. Um, if there's any men out there listening, just remember you have to choose your wife every single day. It's, an, it's, a, it's a conscious choice. Yeah. You know, God, you know, brings you together. Marriage isn't for selfish people. I mean, Pastor Luis says that. Um, you know, many pastors say that. Like, you have to be actively choosing your wife every single day. And realize, have the humility to understand that we're born sinners and we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you rely on God and you 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 go about your business and understand why marriage is so important and what it prepares us for as we prepare for everlasting life, um, you know, that's the biggest, you know, thing that you have to look at. And I'm so blessed to have that with Chadra. And, you know, it's a it's a learning experience every single day. I, mm-hmm. I, there's so much I don't know about her. And every single day I learn something new. And, you know, like I said, I just try to stay humble because I am imperfect and Same. I'm just blessed <laughs> to be with someone who is yeah. patient with me. And yeah. that's, you know, that's what makes marriage exciting is learning new things about the other person, yeah. you know, and just learning more and more about them as you go, you know. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he'll be like as a dad. Mm-hmm. Super dad. <laughs> I know you. I'm, I'm ready. I'm a stage yeah. dad. We, uh, a stage dad? We out there. I know. We probably argue more about if our kids are going to be artists or um, athletes. <laughs> Or academians, or all three things. Triple threat. It might be a triple threat. Yeah. Oh, wrong look, that. triple threat. We never artists, academians, and what was it? Athletes. Well, look at the rock. Yeah, the rock is technically a triple threat. He's a thespian. Oh yeah. my god. He's a thespian. He's a thespian. He's a WWE great, former yeah. football player, actor. actor. <laughs> and he's uh-huh. cock diesel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. And I, I, think the, I think the I think the listeners got some really good stuff. And I hope you guys mm-hmm. uh, uh, were able to relate and you got some good nuggle- nuggets of wisdom <laughs> here. And uh, um, thank you guys. And mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing what these uh, these next years have in store for you. Thanks. We're happy to be here anytime. Appreciate you guys. Well, we appreciate you know Joe and Lisa. Yeah. We were trained by the greatest. Mm-hmm. They, they did, did our premarital, pre-marital mm-hmm. and we survived. <laughs> we did. We did survive. Oh, I know it was so good because again, Ronnie and I are very communicative. We talk a lot, but there were things I, when we walked into premarital. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a breeze." We've already talked about all the things we need to talk about. Like, psh, no. <laughs> we learned so much in premarital, uh, the expectations talk. Woo, that still comes up a lot. Um, but no, it was fantastic. And I, we're so lucky that you guys did our premarital, seriously, because we got so much out of it. And I, I remember walking out one time um, with Ron and being like, I would be really cool with doing couples counseling like once a month for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, like, that was so fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you guys were able to be helped and learn one day you'll help others. Yeah, Yeah. I'm excited. So, (laughs) thank you guys. Thank you. All right, that's all for today. And let us remember 
Love is not just of the heart, but also of the mind. After hearing this podcast, if you would like some premarital coaching, come check out our new website at hmpremarital.com. That again is hmpremarital.com. If you have enjoyed the show and it really has helped you out in your relationship, consider being a supporter of the show. You could either click the little heart icon in the top right-hand corner of our podcast website, or you can click in the description where it says support the show. Any donation would be greatly appreciated. And remember, love is not just of the heart, but it's also of the mind.